Amen. Open your Bibles again to Joshua 23. I failed to read this announcement. Uh, I do need to meet with the college students, all Commonwealth uh, College students, if you'll meet with Dr. Jorgensen and me in the cafeteria right after the service tonight. I'd appreciate that, Joshua 23. Notice, if you will, that verse number 14 is our text verse, and I want you to see it again. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and in your souls, notice these words, that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. I want to preach tonight on this subject, things that never fail. Please make note tonight during the message of things that never fail. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word. I pray for your power and presence to help us tonight with the word of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The word of God never fails. However, the word of God is like a two-edged sword, as the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and verse number 12. If we obey it, God will bless us and help us. If we disobey it, God will chasten us until we submit to his word. Joshua reminded the people that God's word never fails. Whether it is the word of promise for blessing or the word of promise for chastening, his word never fails. Now both the promise and the chastening, both are evidences of his love because the Bible says, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Understand something tonight. God desires to bless our lives. God desires to bless us. Now, the only reason he chastens us is to get us back to a place where he can bless us again. That's why God chastens us to get us where he can bless us because God desires to bless us. Charles Spurgeon once said, God will not allow his children to sin successfully. Moses had warned Israel against compromising with the evil nations in the land. He did so throughout his tenure, his leadership in the nation of Israel. We find it in Exodus 23, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy chapter 7. And Joshua reaffirmed that warning not to compromise with the evil nations in the land. If Israel began to mingle with these nations, two things would happen. Number one, God would remove his blessing. And number two, Israel would be defeated and these nations would bring distress and defeat to Israel. I say it again tonight, just as parents desire to see their children blessed, our Heavenly Father much more desires to bless us as His children. It's interesting to note that three times in this brief address of Joshua to the people, he called Canaan this good land. I don't know if you noticed it when we read that, but he referred to Canaan as this good land. It was a blessing of God. When God called Moses at the burning bush, he promised to take Israel into a good land. Exodus 3, 8. 
Joshua and Caleb described Canaan as a good land after 40 days in the land, Numbers chapter 14. In Moses' farewell address, he used the phrase good land 10 times. God's word is sure and God is good. Now God never fails us. God never fails us. However, throughout the course of our nation's history, we've seen many things that have seemed to be and advertised as foolproof or foil-proof. We've seen them come to naught. It is sad that men place their faith in things that may have the promises of man but are not backed by the promises of God. I do not want to build my life on things that are the promises of man, but I want to build my life, I want to build my marriage, I want our church to be built on the promises of God because God's promises never fail. The story of the Titanic has always interested me and I recently read a story uh, about that and in fact the captain, it's been said that the captain made the statement, it is the ship that God couldn't sink. It was in the spring of 1912. The world stood in awe. It was advertised as a Colossus cruise liner. It was setting out on its maiden voyage. It was the pride of the White Star Line, and it was a modern uh, engineering marvel. It was 882 feet long and the largest ocean liner ever built. The docks were packed with Brits who came to watch this floating palace steam out to sea. With a Victorian smugness, the press proclaimed that the impossible had been done with the building of this unsinkable ship. It was, they said, I quote, the apex of Darwinian evolution. It is understood that that, that should have been enough warning to keep folks a thousand feet away. It is understood that the captain is the one that boasted even God himself cannot sink the Titanic. Man was not only master of the seas, he declared himself greater than God. It was some 48 hours later. It was a cold, clear April night. The ship Titanic, Titanic grazed the side of an iceberg. It was interesting. If you study the build of the Titanic you'll find that the bottom of the Titanic was double-lined. So nothing could penetrate the bottom of the ship. However, when it got so far up, the hull was single-lined, and that's where the iceberg hit in the weakest part of the ship. It tore a hole some 200-plus feet long. And in less than three hours, the unsinkable Titanic, 400 miles from Newfoundland, taking 1,500 people, went down to a watery grave. It was a voyage that was doomed by pride and the promise of man. It's very obvious the Titanic displayed a class system of the late 19th century. On the top deck was the luxurious deck 
And it was advertised with these words. It had opulent staterooms. And they were reserved for society's elite like Vanderbilt, Astor, and Gould. Below them were the second-class decks for the more moderately well-off. In the Titanic's bowels were third-class decks. They were crammed full with poor immigrants and the ship's workers. The White Star Line was so paranoid about keeping the social classes separate that the doors between the decks were not only latched, they were locked and they were chained. And as a result, hundreds of passengers were trapped below. Hundreds more died needlessly because arrogant shipbuilders were so sure they had built a mega, a mega ship that not even God could sink, that they did not have on board enough lifeboats for its passengers. When news of the tragedy reached England, frantic relatives rushed to the Liverpool offices of the White Star Line to discover if their loved ones had survived. This is interesting. Outside the office was a single wooden board. On it were two columns of names. At the top of one column was the word saved. At the top of the other was the word lost. No one was listed according to their status or their wealth. Astor, Vanderbilt, Gould were all listed among the immigrants, waiters, and the maids. The Titanic sinking took 1,500 people down with it because they put their life on man's promise. I'm glad to announce tonight we do not have to build our lives on the promises of man, but we can live our lives and build our lives on the promises of the Word of God. Time would not permit me to tell of the failures of our American history from bank failures to recessions to educational failures to the New Deal to the newest Green Deal, all of them promises of man that were promises of failure. Tonight I want to give you several things that will never fail. Please make note of these. First of all, the Lord Jehovah. The Lord Jehovah will never let you down. God never fails. Take your Bibles and go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31, and let's go down to verse number 6. Deuteronomy 31, 6, the Bible says, Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Now verse number 8. 
and the Lord. Mark it in your Bible. He it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. Underline the words. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Fear not. Neither be dismayed. I'm glad tonight my life is not built on the sinking sand of the promises of man, but my life is built on the very person, on the very power, on the very promises of God himself. God never fails. The songwriter said, Earthly friends may prove untrue. Doubts and fears assail. One still loves and cares for you. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. No, Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. Though the sky be dark and drear, fierce and strong the gale, just remember He is near and He will not fail. In life's dark and bitter hour, love will still prevail. Trust His everlasting power. Jesus will not fail. I want to say to those of you tonight that are going through a valley, going through a difficulty, going through a sickness, we understand that in this life our world is cursed by sin and our flesh is a fallen flesh and we're going to die and this body is going to be replaced by a new body and anything that we suffer here is only temporary. But I want you to know tonight you can put your faith and trust in a God that never fails. He never fails. Have faith in God. I don't know what we'll hear advertised on radio. I don't know what we'll hear advertised in social media. I don't know what we will hear advertised or promised in print this week. But I promise you, dear friend, that the majority of the promises of man, they fail because they're predicated on theories and ideas and the strength of men. Oh, but dear friend, God's promises are based on His omnipotence, on His power, on His omniscience. He's a wonderful God. He's a creator. He's a sustainer of the world. Write it down. Jesus never fails. If you pray to him at 8 o'clock in the morning, you'll find him there. If you pray to him at 8 o'clock at night, you'll find him there. If you pray to him at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or be at 2 o'clock in the morning, you'll find God never fails because God loves us. Dear friend, I want to tell you this morning as the sun came up, it was a reminder that since the day God put the sun in its orbit and God created the heaven and earth and everything in it, there's never failed a day that the sun hasn't risen. There's never failed a day that the sun hasn't circled the earth. And I want to tell you tonight, there's not a day, there's not a moment, there's not an hour that God has ever failed, nor will he fail. We serve a God that never fails. Take hope. Get rid of your fear. Get rid of your doubts. Get rid of your worry. While earthly friends may fail, Jesus never fails. But there's more than that. The Holy Spirit never fails. I love the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit. I love the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'll send another, a comforter to you. And in Acts chapter 1, that promise was fulfilled as he ascended to heaven. And they went and met in the upper room. And they were there waiting for the fulfillment of the promise. The Bible said it came as a rushing mighty wind. And the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit is not a thought. The Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not an emotion. The Holy Spirit is a real person. And he never fails. 
He never fails. Sometimes we confuse him with emotion. And so if we don't have emotion, we think he fails. But he never fails because he's far more than an emotion. He's far more than a feeling. God, the Holy Spirit, never fails. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to make note of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I love this passage of Scripture and I've preached from this very chapter all across America that God never fails. And I love these words as they're given by Paul to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 3. Notice this, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. You've never been comforted like the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God who comforted us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. And I love these words, not by my experience, but by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I'm glad that when I go to someone who is hurting or broken or in need, it is not my responsibility to be the comforter, but to deliver the good news that the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And He can comfort as no man, as no person, as no promise of man can comfort. I'm thankful for the realness and the fact that the Holy Spirit never fails. The Holy Spirit is our guide. Our guide. Have you ever used a guide a guide maybe on a tour. A guide maybe on a tour of a place you've never been before. Used a guide as maybe a fishing guide. Uh, tour guides, they know all the good eating places. They know the history of places. You don't have to go by trial and error. You follow the guide. It's interesting how you can fish in the same lake as a fishing guide that fishes in. It seems like he has them tied up or put them in baskets. I've, I've fished before in places, never, never got a bite, and go with a guide on the same fishing lake. Young people, hey, don't talk. Don't talk. Listen to me. Henry, I'm preaching. And, uh, and, 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 we, and, and I've gone to places and, and uh, I couldn't catch a thing. I go with a guide and 15 feet from the same place, the 15 feet from the same place I fished, he took me and I caught fish. You know why? The guide knew where they were. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit never fails. By the way, the Holy Spirit, his work is to convict us of sin. He never fails. You know, I'm thankful for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to remind me that I'm God's child. But you know, the greatest assurance of my salvation is not the positive side, but the negative side when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you're not supposed to have that thought. Get, that, get rid of that. Are you with me tonight? You're not supposed to talk like that. You're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to have that attitude. You're not supposed to do that. And the work of the Holy Spirit, I'm glad I don't have to look for promises of man and try to find studies and guides and testimonies of others to see who I can have faith in. I can't have faith in the Holy Spirit of God because the Holy Spirit never fails. Take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, I love this passage. I can't think of this passage or read it without thinking of my mom as she has claimed this passage of Scripture as her life verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 for all of my life that I've known her. And I, I'm thankful for the fact that his strength is sufficient through the Holy Spirit of God. 
Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll look at verse number 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. I love what he says. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in, it's interesting, my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Write it down, Jesus never fails. Write it down, the Holy Spirit of God never fails. Number three, I want to say the Lord's compassions, they fail not. I'm glad that God always loves me. I'm glad his compassions fail not. Take your Bibles and go to Lamentations. These are the Lamentations of Jeremiah. You have the book Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then Lamentations. Look at Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 18. The setting of this passage is Israel has fallen as a nation because they have not followed the instruction of Isaiah, the messenger of God. And the message was the same that Moses gave. If you obey God, he'll bless you and give you the good of the land. Joshua followed with the same message. God's word is sure. He's never failed. If you bless him, he'll give you the good of the land. You come forward to Isaiah. You come forward to Jeremiah. And the promise is the same. You obey him and God will bless you and give you the good of the land. They departed from that. And they joined the idols of the heathen. And they worshiped the idols of the heathen. And they had lost their nation. And as Jeremiah walks through the cities and he walks through the nation, he sees the brokenness and the hurt. And it looks like there's no hope left because judgment has come. Notice what he says in verse number 18. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Then I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Now look at me. Sometimes we get frustrated at God because we don't get what we want. Jeremiah is saying, I'm glad I didn't get what I deserved. It is true, I don't get all I want. But it is true also, I don't get what I deserve. And thank God for it, I'm glad his compassions fail not. Even in punishment, his compassions fail not. I recall as a boy, and I must have been a mean fellow because I got several whippings growing up. I hated the words when my dad would say, son, go to your room. And it seemed like it was three and a half weeks before he would get there. I would pray for the Lord to send Jesus. I would pray that the rapture would come. I didn't. I, I, it just. It just so disappointing. And the, and the worst kind of discipline he could give me was to tell me I'm disappointed in you. And of course, he gave me another form of discipline in addition to that. He used an old leather belt. 
And sometimes I'd have the thought that he, he doesn't care about me, he doesn't love me. I don't know how many times after dad had given me a whipping with a belt, he sat down on the bed and I've seen tears come down his cheeks. And then him say to me, son, if you don't learn discipline from me as a boy, when you become a man and you break the law, you'll end up in jail. And I'd rather you learn discipline now and obedience now. I'd rather be the one that chastens you rather than law enforcement or the judge sending you to jail. You know what he was saying? I love you. I'm glad tonight his compassions fail not. Let me give you another one. Our inheritance in heaven fails not. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Have you ever, and, and, and perhaps many of you have invested in various stocks and companies and different things like that, and oftentimes there's disappointment because of investment. I'm, I'm not an investor, and there's a reason for that. I don't have anything to invest. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, I've had different times. I thought, I'll buy that, and it'll be worth ten times as much, and I misread it. It was one-tenth as much as what I really found out. It wasn't ten times. It was one-tenth. I found uh, some coins one time I thought were worth a lot of money and it took a long time to find that coin in the book and it was right beside the coin that was worth one and a half million dollars but my coin wasn't on that same line with that. But I want to tell you something, I do have a huge inheritance in heaven. Take your Bibles and go quickly to 1 Peter. I want you to make note of some things that you can have faith in. Too many disappointed and broken hearted because they've been let down by the promises of the world and the promises of man. The more we put our faith in the promises of God, the more we're going to enjoy and the more we're going to live with the joy of the Lord in our heart. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away. Boy, he just added and added and added to it. He said, I want you to know that what you got in heaven is still there and it won't fade away. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Do you understand the power of God? The power of God will put Satan in his place and put him in the bottomless pit. God will lead in the victory of the battle of Armageddon. His power is the one that makes the sun to shine. His power is the one that controls the world and my inheritance is kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, rejoice, he said. Our inheritance is in heaven and it fades not away. Jesus never fails. The Holy Spirit never fails. His compassions never fail. Our inheritance in heaven never fails. He never fails. Our faith in him. I wish I had a long time to preach here. Now listen to me. My faith fails, but my faith in him never fails. He always honors my faith. He always blesses my faith. He never lets my faith in him fail. 
My faith in him is always honored by him because that's how God has chosen to do his mighty and marvelous works through the faith of his people. Mark chapter 6, the Bible said he marveled because of their unbelief and he could not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. I'm glad tonight that God takes a simple bit of faith and obedience and he blesses it and he multiplies it. I say tonight, have faith in God. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 119, and I'm finished. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and I want you to look in the middle of that psalm. Psalm 119, and look at verse number 89. Psalm 119, 89, mark it. Forever, O Lord, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. This word right here will stand forever. That means more to me than any promise of man. I hold in my hand. And isn't it amazing how God has preserved his inspired word? I was asked recently, do you believe our Bible is inspired as the original was inspired. And I said, if it isn't, can you tell me when it expired? Inspire is a very simple word. It means the spirit is in, means alive. Expired means the spirit came out, right? We may say of someone, he expired yesterday. That means he died yesterday. His spirit came out. Someone said, do you believe in double inspiration? I said, no, I don't need to because God's word has never expired. He has preserved his inspired word. And this book I hold in my hand. And his word never fails. Stand with me tonight. We're often discouraged because we put our faith and trust in the promises of men. And I understand there are times that we, we have to trust in people. We do. We have to trust in people in regards to friendships and, and uh, business deals and all the things in this world. I understand that. So often that's disappointing. But you've never been disappointed by God. You've never been disappointed by His Holy Spirit. You've never been disappointed by his compassion. You've never been uh, disappointed that your inheritance, you've never, it's not even listed in the newspaper. And and I, I mean, it's above the Dow Jones and it's above the Fortune 500 companies because it doesn't fluctuate. It doesn't go up and down. It's reserved forever. Did I already preach that? I'm so excited about what God has promised and he's kept his word. Heavenly Father, I pray that we go away 